Thank you, Mr. Take your Bibles from the John chapter song eight this morning. Tremendous song and uh, I've John chapter eight the service um, this morning. And uh, as we open the Word this morning, I, I pray that your hearts will be blessed and that you've come this morning to receive a blessing. It's one thing to come to church and uh, hear the Word open. It's another thing to come family. to church uh, prepared for I what have the Lord has for you. Here. And I hope that your hearts are prepared this morning. If you I would turn to uh, Philippians chapter one, my kids in that regard. Philippians chapter one, blessing for us. Um, I'm excited about the message the Lord has given me today. I am not the pastor, pastor and I have had visiting. some I'm intimate moments. We had him over to the away house on vacation this week, and I want to invite you back to hear uh, our pastor. Before we had made the decision right, to join, I want you to come and back and, uh, and listen we to hit him it preach. right off the bat because um, we were talking about speakers, septic though, systems. We do preach from the same book, and unashamedly, and so we bonded over that immediately, and, uh, and we're confident that that's the word of God. And, uh, and this morning, um, as we open the word of God. Uh, we uh, brothers in, uh, in many by more ways Lord. than I think we and, had uh, anticipated. I entitled today's uh, today's uh, uh, he's, message he's a real blessing a to us and, uh, for the ages. A promise for I just the ages. And I want to read this morning going uh, with you if you're there to Philippians chapter one and, and starting in verse you. number one. And the Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, the, to get the servants of Jesus of Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, uh, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and um, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord calls I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every gonna, uh, prayer of mine, for you all, making first requests eight with joy, through your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that John he which begun verse a good one. work Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning Christ. he came again Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both of my bonds and the Pharisees and brought the unto him a woman taken in the adultery and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that they should be stoned. In knowledge and in all but judgment, what sayest thou? that ye may approve things this they that are said, excellent, tempting him, that ye may that be they might have to without offense him. till the day of Christ. But Jesus Being filled down with and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. Unto the glory of God. So when they had continued here, asking uh, this, this him, book here, he lifted up himself the Apostle Paul is and writing. said unto them, and he that the church is without of Philippi, sin among you, and, uh, let him first cast a stone at her. He's writing to encourage the church to understand that there is special joy that comes from a relationship with God. The theme of this book, if you will, allow me to assign one is the theme of joy, the, the joy that comes from a close and intimate walk with the Lord. In this, country in this book, look at your um, we can see in this epistle that Paul has uh, 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 opens up with a very friendly I greeting. And, and if you look through all of the Pauline epistles, the books that Paul wrote, he always opens with a very friendly greeting. Um, but this book particular, if you read through the beginning verses, and not just the beginning verses only, but the whole chapter, you will see that it's intertwined with the deep love for these people. There's something about Philippi that's a little bit different for Paul Jesus than if you were to go to read the beginning yeah. of Galatians or Ephesians or even Corinthians or Colossians. You, you look through all those, there's something different about Philippi. Um, you see phrases like, you are in my when heart. you look at a Pharisee and want to try to define a Pharisee, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. That he had such a deep love that you don't see far above uh, in other belong. books that he's written to these churches. And what you have here in John chapter That draws the question, why? Why such a great love? Why did Paul have, have such Jesus a great love Christ, for these folks at Philippi two, that maybe he didn't have as deeply for other churches? Well, to understand the love, you have to turn back and Teaching to who he's supposed to be teaching to. To Acts chapter and 16. teaching what he is supposed and in Acts to be chapter teaching. 16, you'll see Paul. He's on his second missionary journey. Comes along. He's already completed his first, and now changes. he's traveling through the different and he countries gets interrupted. with the uh, the apostle or the and disciple he gets interrupted Silas. By these men and uh, Paul and Silas are traveling together, and uh, they're just. 
uh, getting ready to uh, they leave seven, uh, the area of Galatia and specifically Lystra. The last and in Lystra on, his, on this part of his journey, he had just seven. met Timothy and his mother and his the grandmother. And uh, here he is coming out of Lystra and, uh, and now uh, headed uh, towards Asia. To the chief and as he was headed toward Asia, the Lord and they said didn't give him liberty to do this. The Lord said, no, don't go, to, don't go to Asia. And the officers and, uh, answered, and so he never turned and uh, like was going to head another direction. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 7, that they essayed they to go to Bethlehem, but the Jesus Spirit Christ. suffered them not. If so here they are again. Tried Asia, John no, God won't eight, give liberty. Tried Bethlehem, and God says no. That, that means the that they were thinking verses, to essay, uh, means to them, examine verily, or explore. Verily, so you can think they're exploring the idea, should we go I here? Am. And the Lord says no, so he don't go to Bethlehem. At that time, you'll see in Acts right chapter 16, verse 9, and in a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia. And so prayed in the context him, saying, of what we're looking come at, come over to Macedonia and help event, us. Early and this is what we know as after the famous Macedonian call. And this really is uh, something where uh, a people in a needy nation cry so out and say, come, we want to, to hear, we want to know, three. we want to learn of John God. And in this vision here, the man from Macedonia calls out to Paul and says, Paul, come and help us. There's people all over the they world today calling. Wanted to come stop what he was people saying in need. because and they that's did why not like we so firmly as a church believe in world missions. But they that's came why there we support missionaries and and uh, do our best to get the gospel around the world because there are people calling out. We have to stop what you're teaching. Paul takes this as a sign we from need God to deal and uh, knowing that he's right being led now. by the Holy Spirit travels to into Macedonia. This. this is a breaking news it bulletin. Says, uh, that as he traveled a through a, a couple different cities, he wound up in verse uh, numbers, in the very uh, Acts 16, verse 12. It says, we need from to thence, deal with this he wound up to, to Philippi, this sin which right is the now. chief if city we don't deal with of that right part now, of Macedonia. The stock so now he's answering the call to come crash. to Macedonia, World and it brings him to the chief city in that area of Macedonia, Civilization will dissolve. we got to deal with this It's interesting to note in this city, or in this verse, that... Uh, Paul specifically mentions that it is uh, the chief city of that part of Macedonia and that it is a colony. And he abode there for several days. The colony is important to note because uh, it's a Roman city. This is a city under Roman rule. And the reason that he mentions that it's not just a city in Macedonia is because it's important for us to know that this is a Roman-ruled city. It's controlled by Roman law and Roman authority. And we'll see that come into play uh, in the situations that take place. Him After being in that city for several days, uh, Paul, it says alone. it comes time for the Sabbath. And so Paul, not, not that there, there's no temple, there's no like synagogue in the city of Philippi. And so the Bible says that Paul was looking for somebody to pray, looking for those that might pray. And he leaves the city and goes out by the river. Who does he meet by the river? Lydia, the seller of fine purple. We may be familiar with that name, Lydia. And as he's out by the river, he meets Lydia and he begins to preach. And the Bible says that Lydia, she accepts Christ as her Savior. She hears what she Paul says, is preaching and realizes that it's the truth. She accepts Christ. The Bible husband. says that she is baptized. And he says, the church has begun in the city says, of yeah, Philippi. Right, you don't. And you here the first five. convert comes and, and, uh, and with great with joy and dedication says, Paul, come and fellowship with me and at my she, house. She says this, she and the Bible says, says that they depart and, and, uh, and, and go to pray. And as they're going, a damsel that was possessed with a demon. She was dealing with the spiritual man. tracks him down. But these and the Bible says this damsel uh, begins to cry like out. That. Here comes people that can they show you the way guy, of the Lord, that to teach you about salvation. 
a, a, a damsel, a, a, a young lady that was possessed with a demon that she had Their owners that were using her to foretell the future, well, to, to, to tell misplaced. fortunes and if to make money. If you look at verse 3 here, they and put Paul their convictions says he above the word of this, God in John this young lady <laughs> crying out. Can you imagine uh, being in this city and for several days it says this God lady himself. is following and Paul they, around, they saying these people will tell you the way of the Lord. verse number 4, you know, that would get pretty annoying after a while. You think about Paul, he endured it for a few days. And then eventually comes the time he says, compared to the word of God I can't let this keep going on. The Bible says in the name of the Lord, he casts out that demon. It takes that immediately triggers fury by those that owned Where's her because the now their source of profit has been lost. And so here they fact, are and they gather up Paul and Silas. They take him into prison. In the they take him to the rulers of the city. Say these men like that have come are teaching doctrines that are against Roman law. I think he was They're teaching things that are they're inappropriate and, and, and we shouldn't be listening to. It talks about and so the rulers without judgment, without trial, take Paul and take Silas. The Bible says they strip them of their guard. They whip them and they throw them into prison. And here comes another familiar story. So when he story. challenges them and says, he As they're in prison, Paul and Silas are praying and singing. As the night progresses, the, the earth begins to quake. And, and all of a sudden, the doors of the prison the swing open. The prison guard awakes to come in to, and, and, and realizes, great, all of my prisoners are escaped. And to avoid shame, he draws his sword to take his own life. And Paul cries out and says, no, don't, stop, wait. We're all still here. he dealt with sinners... And then the question, he did it truthfully. Man, what must I do to be saved? And the Philippian jailer is saved. And his household, the Bible says that that I night they're baptized. Again, again another family added to the church. And Paul is the, the next morning told the uh, by the authorities, they send a servant to him and they say, uh, All right, jailer, of, let, let Paul and Silas and go. You can let him go. And Paul says, Hang on a second. I'm a Roman. In a Roman city, and, a and you've imprisoned me unlawfully. You're not just going to throw me out of my ear like this, magistrates. You got to come to me and, and release uh, me. Then I got, at I got your own word. You're not sending a servant went to, up do to this. one home. Find that very interesting that Paul's like, hey, you're door, not going to throw me around she here. Looked like her face had just and the magistrate into a comes box and it says that they were sore afraid. This, you know, they were worried about what they had done, casting judgment on a Roman in a Roman city without a lawful trial. I was going to ask her if she. They come and they ask Paul to leave. I thought the Bible says that Paul. Gets well, we, up we finally and goes got, to leave we finally got two doors down. And after a short time of encouraging the brethren there, we met this young man. Departs. He was from what I can understand, surmise from the story his, in, the, in Acts chapter sixteen, out, Paul's so trying to restrain the weed. It would have just lasted a matter porch. of days. His name was Bobby, but a very offensive. And he had rap days. music, you know. Meeting a lady out by the river, and she accepts Christ as a savior, as her savior. Not only her, but her whole family, and they're baptized taking that next step of obedience. And then he moves along and he casts the demon out of a woman who's possessed. And then he moves even further along and he leads the prison guard to Christ. And that prison guard and his family are saved and baptized and added to the church. I've got their attention. You think about such a a tremendous and powerful story. And the kid got saved. It makes sense a little bit more. Uh, a little bit now, did, why Paul had such a deep did, love for these people. Telling him Think about everything him. that he, he went, went through with them. That stereo system, in this short time that he, he was with them in that city, he was imprisoned, he was set now, free, did that he idea had friends that opened from? up their homes to him and said, Wasn't come and fellowship with us. In the few days that he was in Philippi, he created then such a Then he came back from stereo, and he didn't have a shirt on, but he and had so tattoos so here in this letter to the church of Philippi, and the first he's thing he asked me was, tell them how much he appreciates their friendship, church, and, and, uh, and how, how joyful he is at their And their I didn't say anything about that He's either. thanking them for sending one of their own to him while how he is in prison. How does that happen? Paul was writing this letter from you know where the house arrest come from? in Rome. 
And he said they had the Philippians had sent somebody to him with a gift. It doesn't say what it is, but sent something to him to comfort him. And he's writing this letter. Bobby, I said, you know what? Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for caring for me. And I appreciate what you've done. And I love you. Jesus Christ has got tattoos. This love is is something that hands. We feet. don't understand they're outside of And I said, when you see your Savior for the first time, you're going to see The love that Paul had for these people was because of everything that took place, because of God, for eternity. because of the saving knowledge of the gospel. Paul went to life. Philippi for the express purpose said, of seeing folks saved. And he did, and he built relationships. And so these people you here, he is writing to encourage and say, thank you for your friendship, thank you for your love, thank you for your gift, and stay steadfast. There's a joy that comes from a relationship with God, and I want you to experience that joy like I have in my life. We will define other Christians. And then it comes to verse number six. By our back there to Philippians chapter one, verse six. If you have one more conviction than me, you're illegal. So important, and it strikes me every time I read Philippians chapter one, verse six. Paul says, "And being confident of this very thing." That he which has begun a work in you will perform it unto is the day fence. of Jesus Christ. It's a fence. Will perform it unto the day of it's Jesus Christ. It's a boundary. Christ. And as it's I read and studied and, and maybe understood a, a little bit deeper than I did before what was going on in this relationship, this verse even stood out to me a little bit more. And I'd like to just take this let me, one Let me give you an example here. I, an example I grew up in a family, a Roman Catholic family. Both of my grandfathers were Being confident in this very thing, he which hath begun alcohol a good work in you in, will both sides of the family until like the day water of Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, we do ask that you would meet with us this So I grow up in that. Lord, I go off to school. I can't I'm just State, a mouthpiece, and I, I pray this morning Lord, that you would have complete and, control. You know, it's, Lord, that it's I would say heaven. things that I ought not to say, and that what you have given now, me, Lord, I would express clearly that. and boldly. Lord, I do ask because that, you that speak weakness to my heart. is I know that I have already been family. blessed and learned. And I have to develop a conviction for me. And as it's delivered this morning, I pray that you would speak to a us. Boundary, Lord, that your so it puts uh, your, me in a better spirit spiritual would be condition. renewed within us, Lord. That our hearts and our desires would be stirred and our compassion. I am not going to put that dedicated on you. I don't be know your background. Father, I've never had a problem with gambling. Not because of a man that's I, I go out to Las Vegas for work, for conventions and out there, and I could walk through a casino Lord, night and day. To us today. In Jesus' name I pray. I don't care about Amen. roulette tables. My first observation from this passage in, in, in Philippians chapter 1 is beginning in the first two words and but being confident. My life, yeah. And being confident. I have to put the first thing that I that stands I out to me right away is the confidence that Paul demonstrates. He testifies of right away in this verse. Before he gets to anything you else, he says, "Be confident." You have to have be confident in your life, looking at your. As own Paul heart, is writing this letter uh, to the church of Philippi, he's he's encouraging him to be confident, not just because uh, of of uh, Paul's word to him, not just saying, "Hey, you can do this." I'm your cheerleader. I'm in your corner. No, that's not what Paul is saying. It's not a confidence that he's trying to cause them to have in himself. Hang it was a confidence that he was trying don't, to develop in them stop. in the Lord. God to be confident your in the Lord. Actually a the word confident means to trust, to rely upon, to be fully you assured of. As and Paul in this passage is saying, be confident, trust the Lord. Enemy now. Trust like God. Essentially what he's John saying 7, 8, here 9, is you can trust God, Philippians. And you can trust God. Take your salvation from you, Paul, at this point, when he's writing this book to Philippi, he's been saved for... If he 20, can defeat you, if he can get you disappointed, roughly 20 plus get you years. out of the race, 22 years. in a way, he's Paul's won. Paul's been through a few things. 
Paul has already experienced to go uh, different things different in his life. He's been through trials, he's been through difficulties, and he's saying, hey, you can be confident all, in God, you can start trust God. Go to Jeremiah 17. Paul's endeavor, you think about all that he went through. Uh, Paul's endeavor to live a life that was dedicated to the Lord. He has experienced excruciating poverty, but he's also experienced abundant wealth. Jeremiah and everything 17, in between. Verse number nine. In his time as a Christian, Paul has had varied experiences. We see this in 2 Corinthians Probably chapter 11, 24. To all of us he says, here, Of the Jews, the five times I received 40 stripes, saying one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was Proverbs I stoned. Thrice four, I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in a deep. In journeys often, in pearls of water, in pearls of robbers, in pearls by mine own countrymen, in pearls by the heathen, in pearls in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in pearls in the sea, and, that and perils among false mirror, brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in washing often, enemy. in hunger and thirst, in fasting and cold and nakedness, if besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the internal churches. Paul is saying here, man, I've been be through a lot. Go to I've experienced Romans many seven. things. Paul, I'm not a novice. Paul wrestled with this and as I'm well. telling you right now, Christians, today, seven. that you can be confident. Philippians, you can be confident in God. And you have to and church in Akron today, this, Community Baptist Temple, you can be confident in God. Pharisee. You can be confident. And not confident just because I stand here when before he you today to tell you that you can be confident. And, in, uh, and Paul was not expecting three, them to be confident solely on his word. This confidence is not based upon the experiences in life. Although those experiences may have aided to his confidence, your chapter confidence ought not to be based upon how good or how bad your life has been, or how good or how bad God has been in your sight. For what I would, that do I confidence in life, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I can you know why Paul could stand before the church of Philippi and say be confident because Paul was confident because of his salvation. Because Paul knew where he stood with God. Paul knew where he was at in his relationship with the Lord. You know why you are? Because you have 20 years, 20 plus years, 22 years before Paul wrote this letter. He was on the road to Damascus with the express purpose of killing and imprisoning and destroying Christianity. And as he's on this road to Damascus, Paul comes across a bright light. And that bright light comes to Paul and says, Paul... Paul, why persecutest it thou me? To, it's like the question is posed to Paul. Paul, why, why are you, you fighting against dog. me? Why kickest and thou the dog against that's the prince? Win is the dog that you feed more. And Paul realizes at that very moment in his life. That's why I'm going when I talk direction. about offense. I am going the wrong I am headed down the wrong the path. I am on the road to Damascus. I am on a road to a place where I am going to, to uh, if, destroy if Christianity, to impede the progress of Christ. And here Paul is, and he like comes huskies, to the realization at that very worse. moment that Don't I am go going days. the wrong direction. And friend, today, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you are in the same condition Paul was 22 years before he wrote this letter. The lost condition. The condition where you are headed the wrong direction. The Bible makes it expressly Clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all of us have sinned, that all have sinned that and come short of mind the glory of God. And because we fall short of the glory of God in our lives, there is a void. There is something missing. None of us are perfect the way that God wants us to be perfect. None of us achieve to that goal of of perfection the way that Jesus achieved perfection. And so we fall short. We can try to hit the the mark all day long. It doesn't matter how close we get to it. We miss the mark. It doesn't matter how good you try to be. If you're missing the mark, you're missing the mark, whether by an inch or by a mile. 
it doesn't matter. And you're missing though, the mark. If you honestly come to the conclusion there's no way. The Bible tells us because it. we sinned um, that there is a punishment, that there that is a wage, there is a, a penalty for our sin, and that penalty is death and hell. And friend, today I can tell you until I'm blue in the face that you can be confident in God, but you can never, you can never be confident in God until you've accepted Him as your Savior. Until you've made Him a part of your life. And there are so many today that walk down the road thinking that they are going the right direction, but just like Paul, who was earnest and dedicated and committed to what he was doing, headed the wrong direction. So many today are dedicated and committed and Wednesday, so fervent in what they're Wednesday, doing, but headed Wednesday, the wrong direction, see, just see, like Paul. And, and that, my friend, is not confidence. That's a testimony. Amen. Confidence only comes by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, realizing that there's a penalty for our sin, and that penalty is in hell. And Revelation tells us that hell is a real place, that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is what happens to us when we die without having accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. But, but, but God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We've got to understand that there is a penalty for sin, but that the penalty has been paid. The penalty has been paid. God has made a way for us to have, to have restored confidence. To have that confidence in Christ, knowing that He's my Savior. The penalty has been paid because Jesus took The external convictions is what the world is going to see. Not only just in His death. The internal is what God is going to see. Daniel chapter 1. He experienced my punishment, which was hell. He experienced your punishment, what was hell. He took that upon His shoulders. That he bore my burden, he bore my chastisement. Daniel chapter one and verse me. five. Because he wanted now here's me, Daniel and, he wanted and you, his friends, friends to know this morning and that for there the most is a part they're basically POW. And you can be confident of this very They've thing. Been carried away from Israel into a foreign country. And in verse five, this king that's now in charge of them, he, he appoints died. them He's a daily provision of the king's meat he has already and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end the thereof they may stand before the king. The Lord shall be saved. Now Romans among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah of Shadrach, to Mishael of Meshach. And to Azariah if, of Abednego. If thou shalt confess my mouth, the Lord that he Jesus, would not defile and shalt believe in thy heart the that God meat. raised You notice it started the in the heart. The conviction was internal saved. first for Daniel. There's got to come a time in your life. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested Christ of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now it's becoming external. Daniel's telling this man, I have a conviction not to do this. That you bore my penalty and already have... And in verse number 9, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should ye see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel, and I'll move down to the Bible is very clear and Paul is very clear that once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is no longer just a man in the sky. He is now your heavenly Father. 
You have now you all the see. rights and the privileges that pertain He's to being part of the family of God. You are no say, different you know, than his son. You are now sons and daughters I'm, I'm and have every privilege that comes come from being a part of his exact, family. No, no, you no, no, now no, can just, cry out, Abba, Father. I'm going to cover your concerns. Think about that relationship. Wouldn't that stir some confidence in you? We're going to look. How many of you heard as a child or even said yourself, I remember saying it, my dad can beat up your dad. It's all I had confidence. I had confidence in my father because I had wrestled with him and I had seen his strength. I had confidence in my father because when something was too heavy for uh, for my mother to lift, she called dad. And when I couldn't uh, pick up the item that I was looking to carry, I called for my dad because I had seen his strength. And my friend, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a part of the family of God. There's a confidence that comes from knowing that he is my father. He is my father. The confidence that Paul demonstrates here is so dramatic and so emphatic. You You can trust God. You can trust God. Why? Because he has made salvation possible for you. And greater love has no man than this. And you may think, man, this is not, this is not very liberating. He's going to take care of (laughs) you. No, you're not thinking right. You're not thinking right. You you put those, you put those barriers and convictions up and it will liberate you from from the clutches of sin. You know, and as we I have look this at human this verse, nature, I see confidence. Where, where you and then go moving all on, the way up to the edge. This very thing and I just, I just want to look at it again. That he which hath begun a good work. I'm not going to touch it. In you. I just want to look at it that again. That he which hath begun a good work. I, I want to see what it I want to focus on that phrase, a good worker you. First, we see confidence. But secondly, this morning, why? we see the construction. We see construction. If you have no intention We see that there's something in our life. Uh, that is taking you know place. Why? You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, at that it. very moment, a work has begun. Being confident in this very thing that he has begun That you can't even look over you. anymore. He's begun a work. Don't even get close there's to it. There's things taking place in your life now. As soon as you accept Christ as your Savior, Savior, yeah, there's a what work. What I'm talking about here is an element of your sanctification. Sick and tired of the endless salvation. And changing us into his image. Paul explains this a little deeper God to the Philippians in you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Making you the kind of Christian he wants you he to says, be. He says, but what things were gained four. to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Ephesians Yet doubtless four. I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered I have the loss of all things. I have heard it said that a conviction and do count is something you dumb, would die for. That I may win, uh, that I may win that will Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. You have to live for the righteousness which is Ephesians of God by faith, four. that I may know Him and the power of His Look resurrection and the fellowship this of His I say, sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, not as other death if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either was already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting but verse 20 says, but ye have not and so reaching learned forth Christ. Unto those things which if so are be that ye have I heard him towards and have been taught for by the him prize of the high calling Jesus, of God that in Christ put Jesus. off. What Paul's essentially saying in this, in this, in this verse is uh, this phase of construction at life be begins when you realize your uh, and, and submit and surrender the new man, yourself to God. Which after God has Paul was saying, hey, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior so when I and you've surrendered yourself and realize that I'm lost without Him. But there's another season of your life that has just begun you and you must again surrender yourself to Him. Put on things. 
You don't want to. You have all these things that you used to do, and it must be something that happens on a daily basis. Where all these activities, I count all gain but loss. Everything in this world is but dung to me. It is worthless. It has no eternal value. But the things of God and the things of Christ and the things of heaven and things of eternity, they hold value. And I'm going to put everything else aside, and I'm going to surrender myself to God and allow Him to work in my heart. How many Christians today live their whole life? Only having surrendered to salvation, but never having surrendered. If he doesn't get right, it's going to be worse because there'll be seven more that come in to take his place. There's a vacuum. You don't think it can happen? Why was Paul warning the Christians here then? Why was he saying, hey, Christians, be careful. Be careful that you're surrendered. Be careful that you don't get caught up in the things of this world, that you don't start to place more value on them than you do of eternity because it's possible in our lives. And very plausible I, and probably I remember has my happened daughter, to every single one of us in this room where we have began, or began to place more value school, on certain things Christian and school. place them higher. And her first day teaching at a Christian school, the students are asking are her about her background and they want to know, Am well, I do you, surrendered do you live to the with working someone? of God in my drink? life? Paul in this passage, in this passage we just read, says, she I've added it up, Philippi. blew my mind. Christians, I've added it up. And everything that I've done outside of Christ is Yesterday worthless. she's at a wedding with her fiancé. But the things for God, they're worth I'm not something. even going to go there. And you know what? I've got go. a long way to go. I have not apprehended. It, it would have been no different. But this one thing I do, forgetting everything that is behind, my successes, my failures, even the triumphs that I've had in Christ, Outward they're not the things that are moving me forward. I press do, towards the mark. There's more to be done. There's more you. to be accomplished. And I am dedicating, and even they're to the, the church at Philippi, Paul is is, is uh, verbalizing decisions. his dedication, saying, hey, I'm committed to this cause. How do you help them decide? I'm committed to this cause. Christians what kind of today, conclusions are in order for make? the construction to continue in your life, when they see you it. have to be surrendered. Third of all, to what family the will, convictions. The Lord wants in family you. convictions. If you turn the page Surrendered to Ephesians chapter five, I'm not just talking about his direction for you as far as what your future holds. I'm talking about day in about and day out. If you're surrendered to the Lord, you, ought to you have, have to be willing to change your values like said, in order to know Him better. In this the right things now, that you think are right and the things that you at, at think are the way life, life should be run. No, no, no. It's not your married, thoughts. It's not your ideas. The they have to be surrendered to God. God, whatever you want, the principles that you lay down for me, the standards and convictions that you show me, they're the ones that are going to be established in my life. Are we going to have to have two incomes? It's a constant surrender to the Lord, whatever you want. When you're surrendered to God, you're willing to fix or rearrange your crowded schedule in order to set aside a few minutes to spend them with God in prayer. You're willing to rearrange your one, schedule one and, and everything that keeps that you so busy to spend a few moments with God in His Word. Sundays, as we were this is the working kids, of God in your life that must take Sundays place on a daily basis, but only happens when so we are surrendered. Up a little bit earlier, Will I, you change your plans and goals breakfast. and desires in order to conform? Can you see what Paul table. said? I want to conform to the image of God. And the kids would come down and they look at that and go, whoa. He said, I'm putting it all aside. I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Christ. And this morning, Christians, is that our prayer? We clean up. Is that what we say with confidence? That because of the work that Christ began in me, I am going to surrender every asset and facet of my life and allow Him to work through me. Whatever He wants to change, He can change. Whatever He wants to remove, He can re- He can remove. 
You know, we have control and we hold on to and we grasp the things that we don't want God to have. We cordon off our heart and say, this is not your territory. This is not what you can change. I'm going to do this in my life because I think this is okay to do. But we never consult God's word. We never say, Lord, I am surrendered to what you have for me. Lord, whatever you want to change in me, you can change. If it means uh, causing me a little bit of suffering or causing me some annoyance, Lord, I'm willing to do it. If it's a matter of inconvenience, Lord, go ahead. I am surrendered. But as, as, I am as your family ages and those kids grow up, some of those convictions the, are going to shift and phase change, and they're going to be challenged. That they you surrender be. to the contractor's hands. I, we're at the stage of life now, so that he can cut all my kids and are so out that of high he school. can nail, and, and so that for he years, can mold we used and to shape like to have everybody at the dinner table at six to o'clock. To produce the masterpiece ain't happening now. But if the board not happening back, now. If the they're off on their jobs, they're off at school, they got this activity, some activities are here at church, they're becoming young, young adults. It's, it, they're, you. they're starting to flap the wings to come out of the nest. We need Christians that are surrendered. That's church, just we need the to be process surrendered. of life. And not just surrendered this much. Not surrendered enough to come to church but on if, Sunday if morning, I, but surrendered enough to be faithful and not forsake the, way, the assembling some of ourselves to gather as the ma- together as the manner of some is. We need to be surrendered enough to make sure that we're going to be faithful in our tithes and our giving, making sure and showing and demonstrating to God that money has not become an idol. Physical things have not become an idol in my life. Lord, I'm surrendered enough that I'm going to sacrifice some sleep. I'm going to give up some time in the morning. I'm not going to play that extra round of golf. I am not going to go out and spend this time hunting until... I have spent Another some time with you and your word, play. and I'm going to develop Our my relationship with you, and it's going to be deeper than just a surface relationship that so many people have today. By the Christians, we need to be surrendered, and when we surrender, the roots can set deep in our lives. To this book. God's word can work how, itself deep into our hearts. God shows him how to do that. When he gets into the details of how to run this church, but it takes how to operate this church. I mean, some of them are very surrender. Very, very apparent by what the Word of God says. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this process has begun in you We're not tied to a denomination. It's begun. It's the pastor directly Whether you want it to or not, it's begun. Through the Holy Spirit. And he's going to work on you. What he should do and not do. You have two options then. You can go. Each area is going to be different. You're not not going to pastor a church in Africa. You can fight against his work in you. United States. And I've seen this happen. I've seen the Christian that is unsurrendered. The lack of joy. You have a pastor the here locally misery. who's going to deal with the thing a bunch of people where everything that is a difficulty. like to think about rubber. Seemingly there's never a victory and, and life is a constant valley. I've seen that unsurrendered Automotive Christian. products. They're well, trying to go through to the construction phase about a without third of ever having to make a change. Jeep. Trying to and go through construction without ever being conformed to his image. That, What's changed that in you since you've accepted Christ as your Savior? And what continues to change? Where have you grown? It's important for us to evaluate and to look at our lives and say, I once was here and I've progressed to here. And the moment where we're evaluating and say, wow, I have not moved from there, from the place that I've grown in this amount of time, I have not gone anywhere. It's been years. I haven't progressed. I haven't borne more fruit. My life has not improved. Because you know what you're doing? You're fighting the working. Because God's work is constant. It's consistent in our lives. The, our whole lives is they're construction, and He wants to improve us. And, I, and here we go, accepting Jesus Christ. And so surrendered, and so on fire. And Lord, do whatever you want with me. And I want, you, I want to have your heart, and I want to have your burden. Heart. 
And we progress in our years, and 10 years passes, we've been saved. And, Lord, I want to have your heart, and, Lord, please work in me. Lord, I want to see you evident in my life. I want to see miracles, and our peace begins to slow. And if that salt and my progression, verse says, if the salt has lost his saltiness, because I've lost where I was surrendered in my passion and my vigor and my desire to see myself grow in my relationship with God. And whereas I was moving very quickly for the first 10 years of my relationship with God and making great strides, all of a sudden I have not gone anywhere in two years. I've not seen the Lord or heard him speak to me. Or when he has spoken to me, I've turned him off or tuned him out. When the Lord said, hey, get this right, get this thing out of your life, you need to deal with this. And he said, hey, go down to that altar, get it dealt with, kneel before me today. I want you to fix this problem. I don't want you to have to continue to struggle with the sin. I don't want you to have bondage in your life. And we say, maybe you need to go back and look at some of your convictions. Your kids will know if you're a hypocrite Forget those things which are behind Press I mean, you may act one the way mark. In here keep growing, keep growing, else. keep growing, and making progress. And that'll turn them off to Christianity, just like in that. your Christian life. Let's pray, <clears throat> Lord. We thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for uh, your word. The Christian who is unsurrendered. Pray that you bless the remainder of our services here today. And God may help us to uh, live closer and, growthless and be more pleasing to you God. with how we uh, conduct fruitless ourselves. In Jesus Christ's name, I ask and pray. What's Amen. the fruit of your life today? Your Christian life. What is the fruit of it in your life? How is it evaluated? Where can you look at it? And how can you tell how far you've come? What is the fruit? We can call ourselves Christians till we're blue in the face and we can say, I'm confident in my God. I know that I've been saved. But we fight against His work in us our whole whole mature lives. And there's never fruit. What's up with fruitless Christianity? What is up with our churches today where there's no desire and no passion and no fire in our lungs and in our hearts and in our spirits to see our city reached, to see ourselves developed, to see our family dedicated and serving God? Where is it at today? I'll tell you where it's at. It died when your spirit died. When you said, no, God, I'm taking back control. I'm having control of my life. You can't have that area. I want to have this as part of my life, and I don't care what you say. When we take back control, the fruit dies in our life. And when the fruit dies in our life, it will not continue on to the next generation. And that's why our children and the generation, uh, even my generation, your children, that's why they're giving up hope. And that's why they're not continuing in the faith. Because they're not seeing the fruit and the evidence of it in our lives. And we're not surrendered the way that we should be. And Paul was saying, church, Christians, be surrendered. Be surrendered. Give it up. Don't hold on to it. Don't let that vice or that sin or uh, that little thing that Satan has put a claw and grabbed hold of you and is not letting you progress. Shake it off. Shake off the weight. Shake off the sins that so easily beset you. And run the race with patience. Day in and day out, making progress. We've got to be moving forward. If you're not moving forward in your Christian life, you are moving backwards. I am moving backwards. We've got to be surrendered. I've seen the unsurrendered Christian. But I've also seen the surrendered Christian. I've seen the joy that Paul tells the Philippian church about. I've seen the joy that comes from knowing, hey, God is in control, and I know He's working in my life, and that may mean that I have cancer right now, but I know that He is in control, and He has got a purpose for this. I've seen it in Miss Sandy's testimony as I go and visit her at her home, and she says, hey, 
God's in control. I know whatever the doctors may say, I don't have long. The doctors may say, I'm going to die of this thing and that it's it will never going to remission. But then here she is with the joy of the Lord that is her strength because of a surrendered heart to God. I've seen that joy. I've seen the joy of the, the Christian who, who is surrendered. I've seen them endure misery, but it never infect their spirit. They never become miserable. I've seen the difficulties that they've traveled through. But you wouldn't know it from having a conversation with them because their confidence and their surrender to God. I've seen them endure trials and victories in their lives. I've seen that life is good even in the valleys. Even in the valleys, God is good. Even in the valleys, God is good. You know what that comes from? That comes from a surrendered Christian life where it's like, hands are off, whatever you want for me, whatever it takes, whatever you need, you have control. It means giving up, relinquishing. God, whatever you have, I will conform. I want to conform. I want to be changed into the image of your son. And I'm willing to change whatever it takes. Whatever you need, you've got it. You've got it, God. Whatever. I know in my life there's times where I say, whatever God out of this side of my cheek and then the other side of my cheek I say, but I'm holding this back. I don't, I don't want to let this go. I feel it's okay for me to do this or participate in this. Isn't that funny how that works? We say, I surrender, but then you know, there's something back here that we say, uh, I feel that this is okay for me to do. It's not really surrendering, it's partial control. You have one side of the reins and I'll take the other side and we'll try to drive this horse straight. It doesn't work too well. The Christian that has surrendered can echo the, echo the words of Jeremiah 20, verse 9, where he says, But his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. The word of God, man, it's so sweet to be in a surrender relationship with God. It just creates a burning and a fire within me that I cannot contain. uh, Jeremiah was in this passage, uh, was going to speak out about some sin. He was going to speak out about some things. He said, I'm going to hold it in. I'm not going to say anything. And he said, man, because I'm surrendered, because I was so committed to God and I want to see what's done, uh, what, what is right done, I... I can't shut up his word. I can't shut up his goodness. I can't shut up what he's done to me. It's as a burning fire in my heart. John 11, verse 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know what that's? It's talking about a fulfilled Christian life. A life that is so full and is so blessed and is just overflowing. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. These are the Christians, the ones that are surrendered, are, who, continually experience, who continually experience a time of refreshing, that their lives are continually refreshed, and that they're encouraged the way that Psalmist was encouraged in the Word of God. They can say, as the disciples said in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, and they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while, we, while, we talked with us, while He talked with us by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures? Speaking of their encounter and their talk and their discussion and their close relationship with God, did not our hearts burn within us? Where's the fire in your life? Where's the fire in your heart? Where is it in my heart? 
I just not only question today those that are sitting in the chairs where your fire is at. I question today, where is my fire at? Does does my heart not burn within me when I spend time in God's word? That's what I should be when I, if I'm surrendered, if I'm willing to hear and willing to change whatever, I should open God's word and be, God, this is so good. This is so good. This is so encouraging. This is strengthening. God, you're so good. Does it burn within you? Does it burn within us today as it does in a surrendered Christian's heart? A surrendered Christian life says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The surrendered life says, hey, I am not in control. I've given it over to God. Whatever he wants in my life, he can have. Whatever he wants to change, he can change. I want the burning. I want the fire. I don't care what it's going to take, but I'm willing to give it up because I want to have the surrendered Christian life that is lacking in so many people and is lacking inside of me, and I want it to burn. I want to see God's fire. I want to know what he can do for me and how he can work in my life. I want to have the confidence that Paul said, I can give everything up. I count it all but dung. It doesn't matter to me. I put it all aside. I'm surrendered. Whatever God wants, he can have. The surrendered Christian life is not the person who's got it all figured out. It's simply the person that understands that they just must draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We're going to be surrendered to God. We've got to get off the fence. We've got to have that fire stirred and let it burn in our hearts. Be willing to give up complete control and say, God, whatever you want in my life, you have it now. A.W. Tozer once said, The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's working within us. That's where we're at. Still trying to give the order, still trying to have control while God's trying to work within us. Life is construction. But we have got to surrender to God and let Him do His work. We've got to become that clay on the potter's wheel that we will let Him turn us and do whatever He wants to us without control, without fighting back. Complete surrender. My friends, surrender is not all bad. Surrender may not be as even difficult as it may seem this morning. Because when you surrender, you are not responsible for the outcome. When you surrender to God, it's not you having to complete some fancy work. The Bible tells us this in the latter part of our verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. The thing I see here is the completion. The completion. I see the confidence that Paul had because of his relationship with God. I see the construction that takes place all through our lives. But I see the completion, and the completion has nothing to do with me. has nothing to do with uh, me getting something done or completing a project. 
The completion that takes place here is the result of a life surrendered to God. And when we surrender, we can claim the promise that's written here, the promise for the ages, the promise for all time, that He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He begins the work, and we do our best to surrender to Him and let Him have His will our way. And when we do that, He completes the work. It is not about me completing the work. It's not about me creating the finished project. It's not about me building the masterpiece or nailing the hammer or putting the lumber together. It's about Him completing His work in me. He said, I will perform it. The greatest promise outside of salvation is that I'm going to begin a work in you and I will perform it if you surrender. The Christian life surrendered to God. I am not responsible for the outcome. He is. And He is responsible. And He says, I will complete it. I don't know about you, but I trust him to complete the project way better than I could. So surrender to God and let him complete the project. Let him complete it in you, and the outcome will be far better than any single one of us in this room could ever imagine. Isaiah chapter 41, man, when, when you are surrendered to God and he begins to, to complete his work in you, you can now claim the promises of God because you're surrendered to him. When you're surrendered to God, then you can claim promises. Don't think that you can claim a promise until you're surrendered. You're not surrendered to God. He has no obligation to fulfill a promise to you. Make sure that you're surrendered. And when you're surrendered, now you can start to begin to claim promises. And he who begun a good work will complete it in me until the day of Jesus Christ. If I'm surrendered to that work, I can now claim the promise that he is with me and that he will guide me and that he will complete this project. I am a destruction zone. I am a, I'm a horrible mess. I, I, I need a ton of work done in my life. But thank God I don't have to rearrange the pieces. I don't have to put them in order. All I have to do is be surrendered to God and he's going to say, move here, come over here, move that piece there. You ever try to put a piece of a puzzle together and it's all blue sky? It's like, how am I supposed to rearrange these pieces and get them in order? This is ridiculous. And so many times we got our hands on the pieces in our lives, unsurrendered, trying to control things, trying to put them in order. When God said, if you would just surrender to me, I'll complete the puzzle. I'll move you here and I'll put the pieces in place. But be surrendered. And when you are, you can be confident. You can be confident that he will complete his work. And so when heartache comes, you can say uh, and echo what Isaiah said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. We can take this promise to heart. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When you you are uh, surrendered and allowing God to complete His work in you, you are completely able to claim the promise of God in Matthew chapter 6, where He says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on it. Is not the life more than meat and body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? When you're surrendered and you're allowing God to complete His work in your life, you need to take no thought for tomorrow. Take no thought for how He's going to provide if you're being faithful to Him. Take no thought for what food's going to be on the table. You you need to be faithful and just obedient. He says, go work a job. You need to work the job diligently. That's where He's led you and He's guided you. But God will complete and fulfill His promises. As a surrendered uh, Christian, and I'm, I'm completely surrendered to what His will is for me, 
When I'm unsure of an important decision, I can simply say, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. A promise that I can, compl- that I can, that I can claim because He's completing a work in me. You need your Father's help on your daily life with burdens to bear. Maybe comfort in distress, wisdom for challenges, rest for your weary soul. There's promise after promise after promise in all of these areas in your life. If you will just surrender to Him, He will complete it and He will fulfill these promises. He will keep His word to you. It's not our responsibility to stress about the outcome of the situation. We are just to be surrendered and obedient and the outcome is in His hands. Worried about how your children will turn out? I am. I have a two-year-old and a, a nine-month, and I'm already worried about how it will turn out. But that's not my responsibility. You know what my responsibility is? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Provoke not your children to wrath. Be an example. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Show your walk with God. Demonstrate your love for God and His love in your life. Be faithful to the house of God. Be obedient to the commands of God. That's my responsibility, and I don't have to worry a lick about what happens to my children. If I'm obedient to God, He's responsible for the outcome. If I'm surrendered to God, He's responsible for how they turn out. How the trial turns out, it's not a result of your strength. It's a result of His strength when you're surrendered to God. You have a troubled heart, heartache in your life, The outcome is going to be the result of his expertise. Just trust him. He's in control. Listen to this. So often we feel as though we have to complete what Christ began in us. But we could not start what Christ did in us, and we certainly cannot maintain what Christ wants through us. But we can be surrendered to what he wants from us. And when we do that, then we will see his completed work then we will see his completed work. My friend, brother and sister in Christ, that is a promise for the ages. That the result of my life is not the result of my effort. It's not the result of my energy. It's not the result of my strength or wisdom. It's not the result of my expertise. The result of my life is when I surrender to God and let him complete his work in me. His work does not begin, however, this morning until you've accepted Him. And I want to plead with you. Yeah, I would even beg with you this morning. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, let today be that day. Do not wait another day of hoping or trusting. I I hope that I'll be saved. I hope that I'll go to heaven. I think I've been a good enough person. I, I trust that I'll get there someday. I hope the good outweighs the bad. I've gone to church my whole life. I've been faithful in this area or that area. And then you get to God and he says, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I know you not. I do not want you to hear those words. I want you to know today that you can be saved, that you can have a home in heaven, but you have to accept Christ. There has to have been that time in your life just like there was in Paul's life 22 years before he wrote this letter to the Philippians and said, I was on the road to Damascus and I was going the wrong way and the Lord met with me and I realized that I was in the wrong place and I was going the wrong direction, but he turned my direction around and I'm headed to heaven. I recall as a six-year-old boy when I knelt beside my bed after hearing a message with all fire, with all, with all passion and conviction delivered by a tremendous speaker and I sat there through the invitation saying, ah, I don't want to go forward. I'm too worried about what people will think of me. Six years old. 
But I remember as I got home that day and I knelt beside my bed and I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And since that moment, I have had confidence in God. I have not always been surrendered to God. But I'm trying. And I know that He's working in me. I know He's going to complete it. He's going to complete the work as long as I stay surrendered to Him. But it began when I accepted Christ. You all bow your heads with me this morning. Close your eyes. If you would all stand. If you